Houston is all systems go. John plus Lance equals a damn good start to your day. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, it's John and Lance. All right, welcome back here on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Best segment that we have every day after an Astros game. Roger Clemens should be Hall of Famer with us here on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. All right, Roger, let's get it started with this. That umpire, James Hoyt, was awful last night. Is there any chance? <laughs> is there any chance that Maldonado missed that pitch on purpose and hit him? Did you ever have a catcher do that? Uh, in college. At the University of Texas, it, it happened, but never, never in pro ball. But, uh, yeah, that was pretty good. Everything's mic'd up really well. Even I, I think they got a couple mics in the dirt behind the mound. Uh, so you can hear, you can, you know, I think they have to turn it off when there's a pitching coach meeting at the mound or whatever. But, yeah, there's a lot of mics that can catch a lot of things. And, uh, uh, you know, I, who knows what went on there. He didn't need to really – you know, say that. I mean, come on. He needs to focus on the strike zone. Yeah, and, he uh, wasn't. I mean, he, he was a little loose with it. And, you know, our guys knew right away. And, of course, you know, when they do get those calls, they can go immediately to the dugout and they can watch them on those iPads and they can see it, uh, see it immediately. Um, so I, I know Brantley, Brantley, it really messed up one of his at bats. He yeah. had a terrible call. It jacked his at bat up big time. Where, where it, made, it made him extend. He, he had to expand the zone. I think he flew out or hit yep. a, you know foul fly or something. But he was pissed. Yep, yep. And Bregman too. And 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 it was just that. And listen, there were eight umpire audit. There's I don't know if you've seen that on Twitter. You got to follow him. Umpire audit tells you exactly how many he missed. He missed eight, and all eight were against the Astros. All eight. So yeah, not good. It could have been better. What about Christian Javier? What What's the difference yeah. between Javier now and earlier this season? That was the game, partner. I mean, uh, Javier. That was that's the story. H- H- Javier and the bottom of the lineup for the Strohs, man. That was it was huge. Uh, I, you know, Javier. You know, basically twenty and what is it now? Until he gave up the homer, twenty in uh, a third scoreless inning, something like that. Um, textbook pitching and, and game calling by Maldi. They they went with you go with your best stuff until they force you to change. And it's amazing. He keeps rushing that 93, 94-mile-an-hour fastball in the top of the zone. Guys can't get on it. If they do, they're flying out. And, um, you know, the only mistake was the, the slider or slur, whatever you want to call it, that, that hung in the middle of the plate for the two-run homer. But textbook pitching, total opposite uh, of Max, you know, right? I, from the beginning, the first inning when the guys hit a couple balls hard, and deep off of him, you're like, okay, you know, this is where, where, where we thought. You know, this guy laid off for a month. It's totally different to pitch in a in a regular season game, let alone a championship game, uh, when you have that kind of layoff. And uh, and you could just see the difference. Again, you take Javi's uh, fastball at 93-94 with late life. It's, it's jumping, it's spinning, it's holding its line. Uh, and Max usually has that fastball and, uh, that has some late life. When I say late life, when it gets to the dirt cutout at home plate, if you know it, it, you, when you're standing there, hitters will tell you the ball changes gears a little bit. It's like again, it's like a bowling ball or the guys that spin that ball, that crazy spin on a bowling ball. You throw it down the lane and it's last five feet, man, it cuts right into the pins. 
that's the same thing as having late life on your fastball. And uh, Max didn't have it. Now, this thing gets crazy tonight. This thing, you know, Keedy does his job and gets the ball to JV for possibly a game five. Uh, you know, Max is in line to pitch a game seven if it gets there. And, 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 and Javier, will, will, Javier will pitch, uh, you know, uh, probably face him again, I would imagine. I would imagine. That, yeah, so uh, this is going to get interesting uh, if the Strohs can pick another one off tonight. Is it as simple as just Javier has to, it, when Javier's locating his fastball, the teams can't really sit on that breaking pitch? Because we saw yesterday, or we heard that, how bad opponents are doing against the fastball for Javier. So if that's the case, if he's not throwing them for strikes, if he's not locating, they don't have to sit on fastball. They just sit on breaking pitch, and they're able to just tighten up that target zone and just blast them all year long. Now that he seems to be locating better, it, it, it really has opened everything up for him. Yeah, I, I don't think he minds <clears throat> that much pitching behind and throwing uh... – not throwing more strikes because, uh, again, he's hitting the top part of the zone, and then he exploits it a little bit with a ball or two higher, and those guys go after it. It looks very, very hittable uh, coming out of his hand. Um, I think, guys, the thing I noticed about him, even in spring training, I, I, when I watch guys do their bullpens in spring training, when I, I went down for about a week, and he's just got a calm nature about him. I mean, on the close-ups last night, if you watched the close-ups, you saw his eyes drifting to the right almost on every pitch. And that tells me how calm and under control he is because he's watching the pitch clock. And he's letting that pitch clock click, you know, click down to inside of three seconds before he delivers his pitch. And so, I mean, he's in, he's in touch with everything that he's doing. Uh, again, I think Maldi brings a lot of calm to him. Uh, you know, I know at one point, he got out of whack, and Maldi walked straight out there. They had a nice talk on the mound. Obviously, I don't, I'm not privy to what it was, but, um, you know, those are great, man. That's a great relationship to have with your catcher, and, and uh, there's just a calming effect to him. But, uh, again, when I, when I was watching his eyes look to the right, I knew he was checking out the pitch clock to see how far he could take it down or when he wanted to del- deliver his pitch. Roger Clemens with us, brought to you by John Daspit. Every time here, after every Astros postseason game, he is brought to you by John Daspit right here on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Raj, okay, you are advising Rangers pitching, uh, and you, what what do you tell them how to approach Jordan? What exactly, how can you go about getting this monster out? They got problems because even when they made a couple, it really wasn't a bad pitch that they made to him that he fought off uh, into uh, left center field being so strong. Uh, keeps his hands tight to his body on those. He's locked in. I still go all the way back to what it was a game two, and they were the Rangers were winning, and they pitched to him, and he hit the, I think it was an opposite field bomb to get him going again. Um, you know, Montgomery you know, pitched him well with really uh, below – Speed, uh, curveballs or slurves. Um, that was really the only spot that uh, you know. Try you know they'll try and exploit that with this lefty. I think it's a bullpen game, basically for these guys uh, uh, tonight. So we'll see. We'll see what happens there. But um, 
you know, you get you get Altuve, you get the our little man at the top of the lineup going again. Then Jordan Tuck finally gets going a little bit. The walks are huge. It tells me he's seeing the ball a little bit. He might be getting a little more comfortable. His one base hit was big for him, so you get that. And then, you know, the bottom of the lineup, and you can throw Tuck in the bottom with Dubon Pena and Maldi had the big hit. I mean, you know, that's a uh, you know, that's a situation where Scherzer throws. You know, it's like. It's like when you had the National League and you have the pitcher hitting and you have an eighth hitter in front of him and and you don't give him any respect and you you might lose your concentration a little bit and you leave a ball in the plate and then they get you. I mean, <laughs> well, uh, Dubon du- 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 was doing that too. I mean, it's the guy that you almost forget about in the lineup. Well, and he, when you do that, so yeah, I tell you this though, it was a difference. It's a huge difference maker. Look at the plays that Bregman made at third. Young got a he Young got his glove on that on that Maldonado ball. If that's Bregman at third, he makes that play. It might be a different game. Oh, it definitely could be. I mean, he was uh, again. Max was battling through that, but um, guys are taking. I don't know what it is. They they got him uh, a month or two ago. Whenever that was, when he when he when he uh, came back, and um, so. I don't know what's going on, and I don't know what's going on with that stadium up there. The boys love hitting up there, so we hope that continues. Yeah. So when you see yesterday, and they look so relaxed, they got the they got the runs early. But when you see players like, uh, how early as a pitcher can you tell a guy is starting to lock in? Because Jose Altuve is that rare guy who can go one for eighteen, one for twenty, oh for twenty five, and then all of a sudden get hot in a single game. Can you see it as a pitcher with some of the pitches that you're throwing that they're spoiling or laying off of how quickly can you tell uh oh this might be trouble with this guy today well again just by observing and and watching i think when the guys got up when the strohs got up uh three four nothing there were some uh camera shots in the dugout and they were they were smiling and having a good time they were feeling pretty good about what they were seeing and where they were you know what you know what they were going to be able to do so uh i saw I saw JV talking. Uh, I don't tell him a joke or whatever, and and they were they were pretty loose. So, but we you know we 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 talked about that uh, uh, a number of shows ago about how these guys have been there, done that, and there's no time to panic. But this was an absolute must win, and and having Javier and and uh, I think Altuve had an interview after the game said the same thing. I mean, it was just a matter of fact they had to win that game. So. Roger Clemens with us here on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. You keep mentioning Maldi. Uh, we know Dusty loves Maldi. We know the pitchers love Maldi. There's even a question in the organization whether or not they can bring Maldi back as a backup next year to Yiner because if Fromber's out there, if Verlander's out there, they're going to want Maldi behind the plate. What's the difference? What, you had Posada. You had some great catchers. You what, what, what is it about that guy behind the plate that makes pitchers so much more comfortable? Yeah, I mean, I still, like I said, I still stay in touch with so many of my my what I call my, my backstops. I mean, they're they're my bread and butter. I mean, uh, uh, you know, I mean, you, you're dead on, John. I mean, they they you know, they make the sun come up and go down. So uh, they, I trust them with what they see. I ask them to pay attention to detail. I ask them to watch hitters if they're making adjustment with their feet at the plate. Um, we got you got so much going on, and like I said, I don't. I, they do want to hit, but I don't care if you hit. You're there. You're there to handle uh, the starting staff and a bullpen, and know exactly and immediately what kind of stuff I have. Um, 
So, but anybody that's uh, that's that's going to take over the reins, if they if they start in spring training, and you get familiar with where they're at, and you trust their hands, we we had guys. I had I had um, younger catchers that were nervous, and they had what we call windshield wipers. They didn't trust their hands, <laughs> and they would carry stuff out of the zone. Now they allow you to go down to you know they have most catchers going down to one knee, which makes it more difficult to block balls, which you saw last night and uh but they think that because you go down the analytics think that you go down to one knee you can frame balls you can steal balls and strikes which i guess according to what you said about that site they stole about eight pitches and um so that all figures into it you know like i said uh if if you went down to one knee um uh, unless you were tony pina way back when tony had that split leg i had tony as a catcher for a few years in boston He'd, when nobody was on, he'd get down on one knee, stick his other leg out straight, and uh, and try and get you know get guys get the ball down in the zone wherever they wanted him. So, but if you got down to one knee before this analytic stuff, they think you're lazy. You get you probably get released. <laughs> and uh, uh, so, but uh, that's it, it, he's got great hands, um, a great target to throw to. Uh, I had plenty of that, like you said, Posada was probably the, or Jorge at New York was probably the best two-way guy. He could hit, switch hitter, and you know, he could call great games, and he, you know, he could, he would, he would try and catch the ball in his breastbone a little bit. So he had to be careful moving too much because some of these umpires, when they lean down, they put their hand on you, on the catcher. And if the catcher slides just an inch or two to, to get a ball that's on the corner, the umpire feels they move, and he's going to call it outside. So that's why we always we always have a conversation earlier or after the first or second inning to tell our guy, hey, sit still, you're moving, trust your hands. He goes, am I moving? I go, yeah, you're on a skateboard, man. Sit still and trust your hands. I'm going to get the ball within a ball or two of where you want it. That's awesome. That's that's great. <clears throat> yeah, That's great detail and info because I do notice that I don't think that Molly's the greatest pitch framer. Uh, he kind of like low in the zone, he'll kind of – the, the glove comes down, where you notice a lot of these guys, including the Rangers catcher, they almost start down and snatch it upwards to, to, give, it a little, it up. to give it a little different frame. But uh, also inter- interesting what you said about a big target. Can you explain what you mean? Is it a feel for you like he's a good target behind home play? What do you mean by that? Yeah, so the only way I can tell you is like in all-star games, when I threw to a catcher for the first time, like Sandy Alomar Jr., he's six four six five. I, I had to really focus on both of his knees on behind his shin guards or his uh, shoulder protectors on his on his uh, chest protector because he is so such a big target. Osmus was great to throw. Brad was great. He was a small target, wonderful hands, quiet. Um, just you just you can see where you're going with it. He would set up late. This was before pitch calm, so you were calling pitches if guys were on second trying to get your your cadence. Um, what was great was I didn't like catchers that jumped to the target. Veritek used to sit so late because they were so worried about it. He would jump from his catching position to the outside or inside corner really late. And, and I didn't like that. I liked the guy to go there. And, and Charlie O'Brien was, I had Charlie O'Brien probably one of the best of the best as far as, I mean, you watch, you give a video to your kid to watch Charlie O'Brien. I think Charlie wrote a book called Cy Young Catcher. And he, he caught like 11 Cy Young years, something like that, something crazy. Wow. But uh, he was quiet, good target to throw to. 
Um, it just makes a difference, guys. It's, there's no doubt about it. When you got somebody that's quiet and confident and he's calling a good game because he knows the stuff that you have, perfect example last night, like we talked about earlier in the show, he featured that fastball, and I'm not changing until you force me to change. What do you expect out of Arcady tonight? Uh, I'm, I'm hoping I'm hoping he's just he's really good. I hope you know five innings. We'll tell you know these days these days you would love to say seven seven innings out of a starter, but right now, man, we'll take five innings and uh, and let the boys go to work again. On uh, who knows if it's going to be a if they're going to go quick to the bullpen or not. The Rangers, that is. So we'll see what happens. He he's he's facing Heaney. There's a lot it's of a guys. Whole, yeah, no, it's a whole different animal if, we, if, if our boys get this one. No kidding. And Heaney, you know, you got to stop the bleeding. I'm, I would imagine they're a little bit worried over there in that clubhouse and, 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 and oh, the fan base as well. And Heaney, we've got a lot of guys who've had success against him. Uh, so he's never been in this situation before. Urquidy's got three World Series wins. Huge yeah. advantage, Astros. Yeah, yeah, huge advantage. Looks good on paper, but, uh, again, let's uh, – Couple zeros and a crooked number would go a long way. Roger Clemens brought to you by John Daspit after every game, morning after every game, right here on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Man, we appreciate it as always, Roger. We will talk to you again tomorrow. All right, baby. Keep the faith. That's it. Stay hot.